Welcome to the PIP Podcast. In this episode, Robin chats with Jane Hilliard, the founder and head designer of Designful and Homeful. Jane champions the concept of enoughness, which is about working out what you need to be happy and healthy without taking more than your fair share. We hope you enjoy this episode. Today I'm speaking with Jane Hilliard and she is the founding director and head designer of Designful and Homeful based in Nipaluna Hobart in Tasmania. She is a registered building designer and has a Bachelor of Environmental Design. So Jane has been designing new and transforming already existing homes to reflect the values of the inhabitants and to help create them a home that supports their lifestyle that they want to lead. And often this within this it involves the concept of enoughness. And um, today I'm wanting to talk to, we're going to talk about the concept of enoughness and how we can incorporate that into our building design. So welcome to the podcast, Jane, and thanks for taking the time to chat with me today. Oh, thank you for having me. Great to talk to you. Uh, I wanted to start by talking about this idea of enoughness. Now, could you explain what that means to you? Yes. So I sum it up by saying enoughness is working at working out what you need to be ha- happy and healthy without taking more than you need. Yeah. I have used the words before. Um, what working out what you need to be happy and healthy without taking more than your fair share. Yeah. That for some people is a little triggering. Um, but yeah, basically considering what it is you really need and letting the rest um, drop away. Yeah. So how do you incorporate? Well, firstly, do you want to tell us a bit mm. about your business and um what you do in designful and homeful? Yeah. And um sure. yeah, then we can talk about how you incorporate that. Yeah, so designful came first. And Designful, I started that uh, a while ago now, um, <laughs> over 10 years. Can't quite remember how long, not very good dates. And that what I wanted to do there was to make good design available to more people. Um, I came from a background of working in architecture firms and um, I guess I just witnessed um, a fair bit of indulgence, a fair bit of stress, a lot of money spent. And I felt, oh, I don't think it needs to be this way. Mm. So that was kind of my mission, make good design available to more people and at the same time considering what is the impact of this building and this design on everyone else and the planet. Um, So at Designful we do fairly traditional custom design, new homes, renovations, retrofitting. Um, Homeful came along, uh, this is its... um, yeah, we're in our second year. And that was just a response to really um, taking that concept of making good design available to more people a bit further mm. and taking what I've learnt and experienced in custom design, what works and what I think people need and what good building is and packaging that into some small home templates. So by having these this suite of temp- templates, it makes it more affordable, it takes mm. less time. And because we've kind of um, designed things that are easy to build, uh, the cost in construction is um, managed and it doesn't take as long. So Homeful is about 
yeah, making good design available to even more people who might not have access or have the um, funds, the financial capacity, or even just the um, time and emotional energy to go through custom design mm. because it's yeah, getting that... it is quite a kind of getting a luxury product now, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. So when you're talking about um, yeah, the design that you're doing in enoughness, how how is that? built into your business and what sort of values does that represent? Sure. So we start with values. Um, I feel that if you start a design project, design building project, and the very first thing, consider your values, what's important to you in life, um, you're going to have a better outcome and you're going to eliminate unnecessary things. So as a business, our values are to practice balance sustainability and balance for me, balance sustainability is considering the impact on the planet, the impact on people and the financial impact all at the same mm. time. Yeah. Um, and then with our clients, we like to talk to them initially about thinking about what is important to you and this building that we're going to create is a vessel to support the lifestyle you want. So mm. we need to think about what is the lifestyle that you want rather than what is the building you want. Mm, that can yeah. really change how people go about it because we all know, you know, Instagram and Pinterest is just bombarding us constantly with images of amazing spaces and houses. Yeah. And um, we all do it. I, I really want that and this and I need that. And then so-and-so says, oh, if you're going to do this, you're going to need that, you know, guest room and that second bathroom because yeah. blah, blah. Um, So starting with values is really strong for us. And one of the biggest things I think makes a difference to the built environment's impact on the planet, costs, which are two big things, is how big something is. So yeah. focusing on just making things smaller or right-sized. Mm. They don't have to be a tiny house, um, but what is the right amount of space to carry out those functions in? Because mm. in Australia we actually build the biggest houses in the world. Yeah, right. Um, and a lot of that space is just really unnecessary. I see it as rather indulgent and it's just using up more resources that we do not need mm-hmm. to be using. Mm. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I, I saw that talking about house size and um, so what are some of the things that you've kind of seen people wanting that, you know, once they've actually thought about their values, they actually decide that yeah. they need the classic ones I see are, you know, first of all, talk about butler's pantries. Yeah. So they seem to be becoming this, and all these things I'm finding are becoming kind of this standard. This is what everyone expects to have. So butler's pantries, walk-in wardrobes, additional bathrooms, and also I have some thoughts around garages. Um, they All of those things, so if we talk about butler's pantry, it's kind of like you need a butler a first. <laughs> That's right. Who's got a butler? Um, <laughs> it's kind of like having this mini kitchen that's doing all this work within your kitchen. Mm. Um, and if we start with values, when we talk about, say, the butler's pantry, is it because you don't want your guests or family to see your kitchen mess? Um mm. Is it because you've got this ideal that you want your kitchen to look like that picture that you saw in the magazine all the Mm. time? But the reality is that 
most people's values or most clients I talk with their values are spending quality time with their family and friends, sharing meals. Um, we all know that the kind of the best bit about all of that is preparing food together. Mm. Um, no one cares about your, um, your mess. compost bin on the bench. Yeah. Um, and they take up space. They take up resources and space and a cost. Mm. Yeah. The other one is additional bathrooms. Um, so I'm pretty sure that most of the listeners who are listening to this um, have a fairly, we have a good handle on all of this, but there are, as a whole Australia, I do see this this thing where nearly every bedroom in the house has its own bathroom. Mm. Um, and it's just not necessary in my opinion. It's It's actually contributing to the degradation of the family unit or whoever you're choosing to share space with. Mm. Um, it wasn't that long ago that we lived in houses where everyone was sleep, sleeping in the same room and we went to an outdoor dunny. Mm. And there are actual life benefits to having to share space, resolu- um, conflict resolution with kids, um, just learning that we don't have we don't get everything instantly when we want it how we want it. Mm, yeah. And the reality is that bathrooms are one of the most expensive rooms in the house. So most most people have some sort of budget if they're wanting to renovate or build. And the reality is that um, your brief or what you want to build has to fit within your budget. You cannot magically squeeze more, mm. bring more out of that budget because just because you want it. Um, yeah. So what we like to do is think about bathrooms and what's the function. Um, design a bathroom that's highly functional, um, highly functionable and flexible, so that more than one person can use the facilities at one time. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but bathrooms, yeah, um, yeah. And by sharing that space, you, you know, it might be toothbrush time. <laughs> you know, you're brushing your teeth, yeah. chatting, and hanging out rather than all kind of going off separately to do those things and, yeah, yeah. Like it's, yeah, learning to put up with some of those annoying tra- traits of other people in the household. <laughs> yeah, so something that we do just on that particular one, which we find works really well, is we call it a deconstructed bathroom. So yeah. there's one bathroom, there's, there's one toilet in the house, there's one bath, one shower, one vanity area, but we deconstruct it so that the toilet's separate. We do a mm. wet room, so the bath and shower is in a room, and then the vanity where you'd brush your teeth or do hair or makeup or whatever is separate as well. So all of those three functions, they're in the same kind of area, mm. um, but they can all be used at the same time by different people. Yeah. So you don't have to wait till the person that has finished on the toilet to be able to go and have a shower or vice versa. Yeah. Mm. So what about, I mean, you've got quite some, some quite clear values that you um that you run with your business so mm. some of those um that you have on your website like affordable fit for purpose simple but significant um yeah can you talk us through some of those values and how you incorporate that into a yep. practical element in a home sure um simple but significant is one of my favorites because i things do i believe things do not have to be complex to be beautiful or work well. Mm. Um, some of the most 
the best things in life are super simple. Um, and simple but significant means that you refine things down to uh, what they need to do and be, um, which which means that they're going to bring more value. Um, so what's an example of that? Example. Um, let's think. Um, all right. So in a in a in a space, I would I would always consider window openings. More there is not always better. So um, considering depending on the size of the room, one good-sized, well-placed and well-orientated window is going to be more significant in that room than just putting a heap of windows in there just because you can or that's because you think you want that mm. um, for various reasons, for cost reasons, for passive solar gain, for shading reasons and things like that. Yeah. Um, things like that which kind of often go completely unnoticed. Um, yeah. The other thing is also about using materials. So using things in their raw on a state uh, is going to have a more significant impact on what things look like, how they function, um, their impact, than things that are multi-layered and covered up with another surface or pretending mm. to be something that they're actually not. Mm. Yeah. Um, simple spaces. Um, will just trying to simplify spaces are going to have a significant impact on how they feel by refining the uh, material palette, refining and considering where windows, as I said before, go is going to make that space um, work better. Mm. So, yeah, it's about refining, I think. Yeah. Taking away, letting the unnecessary drop away mm. and focusing on what's really important. Yeah. So can you talk me through like the process, like because you're talking about you you work out what the client, what mm -hmm. their lifestyle dreams are yep. and their values. So how does how does that process work from yep. kind of starting off where they're like, yeah, I want this big house, I want to have this and that and that, and then kind of refining that through talking through the um, dream yeah. and lifestyle needs. Sure. And okay. So we don't really start talking about the house or the building first. Yeah. <laughs> so I we do I have a values led briefing. It's a questionnaire and it's a process. So I firstly ask the client to what is most important to you in life? And that might be confronting for some people when they think they're going to design a building. And yeah. we ask these kind of seemingly personal questions. But the reason we do that is that it makes every decision that comes after that much easier because you put it through your values filter and it means that you can make the decision that's right for you. Um, so we start with what's most important to you in life and then we um, talk about, okay, if they're your most important values and we'll use some examples which are time, quality time with my kids, for example. Um, other people uh, have values such as uh, time to uh, do my hobbies or time in my garden or having a great productive garden and yep. then we got the next layer will be what are the functions in your life that are going to contribute to those values okay so if it's quality time with your kids the function might be uh meals together every night as a family um space in the house where a really good heart of the home like a well working heart of the home where kids can do 
homework and I can be cooking or someone can work from home in that space so we're interacting but the space facilitates those functions Mm. and once we've got this kind of idea of what are the important functions in your lifestyle that have to happen in your home then we talk about what spaces do you need to support them Mm. um so if we identify that I, the heart of the home where your family come together and you invite friends into is the most important part of this home, then what we do is we can channel the um, energy and the budget more into that yeah. rather than, and this is actually something that comes up, if we talk about values and functions, there's always this mention of a guest space in a lot of houses. Mm. And I really like to honestly uh, um, get get clients to honestly answer that question do you want or do actually have guests coming to stay with you Mm. do you actually want that Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think it's a valid question Um, and then if that if it's not a really big part of their life and their lifestyle that's a really big chunk of building and Mm. money that can be either eliminated from the brief or toned down significantly because if um, a guest wing, for example, if it's got a room and it might have another bathroom and whatever, you're looking Mm. at 50 to 200 grand there to do that. Mm. That's not contributing to how you want what's really important to you or you have other ways that you can facilitate that in time with your friends or family, then let's, funnel that energy and money into what is really important in your yeah, life. Yeah, the spaces you use every day. That Yeah, yeah. And so it's trying to it's trying to get people in the right frame of mind and make decisions for them that are aligning with their values rather than making decisions or at creating a brief around shoulds or what our real estate agents think say that you should mm. have, what you see in magazines and everything. Um, which means that the process and the capacity of the clients is going to be, yeah, much greater. Mm. Mm. And I guess the yeah. other part of that is if you are if you value quality time with your family and time to do your hobbies, then yes. having being less in debt and not having spent as much is going to facilitate that as exactly. well. Exactly, exactly. So that's a conversation that comes up all the time. If you want this kind of lifestyle where you, want time to spend outside doing things you love or spending on your hobbies, then you need to consider your financial capacity and what, uh, I guess, strain that's having on your life. Mm. So just build what is enough for you that's within your financial capacity and then those things are going to work better. That was something that I, I saw, I've seen so many times that people can go into these kind of projects thinking that they have to have certain things but inadvertently put themselves under so much pressure and stress that sometimes it never happens Mm. or the process just becomes so stressful and so expensive that um, they can't enjoy the home because they're working working all the time. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So enoughness, I guess the idea of enoughness for me firstly came out of that, which is um, it's good for individuals because it means you can live more within your financial capacity and hopefully live a life aligned with your values because you're not under uh, unnecessary financial strain. But then the bigger idea around enoughness is that it's good for everyone else on the planet because Mm -hmm. 
we're not using more than more stuff than we need to. Mm, yeah. Yeah, and um, I mean, we've done this article in you on you in the latest issue of PIP, and I um wrote in the editorial about it that the beauty of enoughness is like we we want to live more sustainably and we want to care for the planet, and mm-hmm. the beauty of enoughness is you don't have to do anything. <laughs> You don't have yeah. to save money. You don't have to not. You don't have to, you know, make things or do do anything. No. You actually, if you can find that happiness within yourself to be content with what you've got, yeah. or content with what you're creating, um, it's actually kind of it's freeing. Mm. It gives you freedom than not have debt, not be busy doing all these things. You can actually just go without and. Yeah, I mean. There's been studies and things around if everyone worked less, we'd actually be having less impact on the planet. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's been definitely. lots of bit talk around that. Um, the, the stuff that you already have, the house you already have, the stuff you already have is the most sustainable option. Mm. Um, and, yes, there are lots of things that buildings could be doing to be better, to use less energy. Yeah, so what you've already got is the most sustainable option. Yeah. We don't need to um, get rid of the plastic dish scrubber and get a timber one. Yeah. Just use the plastic one until it breaks or whatever. Yeah. Um, So also with buildings, I often find that people get very overwhelmed with what all the things they need to change about their home. Mm. So we often go through a process of what are identifying what are the big things, the big rocks, what are the big rocks that once they're done, maybe you understand that, oh, this is actually really great and fine now. I'm, I can live with the rest of it. Mm. Um, yeah. That overwhelm comes and, and we all have to realise that buildings cost a lot of money. We don't all we don't have unless that's the money to. Mm create um the ideal sustainable home we don't all have that luxury or that um, privilege yeah um there but there are things that we can do that will make a difference they don't have to be everything it doesn't have to be perfect Mm, yeah and there's also that idea of embodied energy so you Mm. might be doing something which is going to make your you use less energy but the embodied energy in what you're mm. doing to make that happen might not counteract the saving in energy that you have in your day to day life. Definitely, and I guess uh, I just think if you want to, if you're going into building a new home, one of the most, the very most sustainable thing you do is make sure it's not bigger than it needs to be, and just use less stuff. Yeah, it's I, I've seen I and I see homes that are you know claiming to be sustainable and energy efficient or you know carbon neutral or whatever but they're huge mm. and um i'm just thinking maybe kind of missing the point here don't have okay. to snap on these sustainable and things to say that's sustainable we need to get right back to the roots of the issue which is the fact that we've got an issue on our planet is that we use more stuff than mm. we need to, more yeah. resources. That's the 
in my my opinion, that's the crux of it. You yeah. have to use less stuff. Yeah. Because, yeah, we were talking the other day about um, design tech and how sometimes even, you know, a home might be five-star rated on the techno- technology side of things, but maybe it's not necessary. Maybe a smaller, simpler house mm. is actually better in the long run than something yeah. that's so star ratings has been a contentious issue recently because they have changed in most of Australia. So they used to be, I'll just explain that quickly, they used to be six stars. So there's a rating from yep. like one to ten um, until this year we needed new homes had to be built to a um, six-star rating and now most of Australia has gone to seven stars, but it, they can be up to ten. But the curve of complexity and cost as you aim for higher star ratings goes up significantly Mm. um over seven stars is unattainable in terms of cost for most people it's and that's another thing about being sustainable we need more people doing good things than less people doing things really perfectly right um and an, an amazing 10 star carbon neutral home is a great thing if you're in a privileged position to do that Mm. the reality is most of us aren't so we have to I think we have to just realize that the thing we can do is make a small home that is the right size for what it needs to do do it well Mm. and you've probably used less material in the long run um and yeah, more people can yeah. do that. And it's also that use of um, good design, which we featured one of your homes in a recent issue that you designed and things where different parts of the design had multiple purposes. So you had mm. those beautiful window seats in a sunny spot, yeah. which were also storage spaces. And, yes, yeah, it just seemed to be that rather than having all these separate rooms and all these separate things, there you had one thing that, would serve multiple mm. purposes. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing is homes, um, I consider homes, they are growing and changing as well as families and people that are living in mm. them. I don't ever expect that if we design a home for someone that that's it, finished forever. They yeah. need to be flexible and have a bit of a life of their own so that they can change as the people living in them change. Mm. Um, so keeping an open mind about that is a is a great thing as well. Yeah. So I know that for um, you also, some of the work you do, you've been working with Hannah Maloney, who's a permaculture designer and also host on Gardening Australia now, and um, other permaculture designers where you you design the home and they design the garden and Mm -hmm. you kind of work together to integrate the two. So how do you sort of see that, um, you know, not just looking at the house and plonking it on a block, but... Mm -hmm incorporating the whole property into that design yeah so I think that's important because if we think about approaching projects from values and lifestyle point of view our outdoor spaces I think are just as important as our indoor spaces more so for some people um so starting with a property master plan that is putting the same amount of weight on your outdoor spaces I think means that you're going to, it's going to be a more successful outcome. Um, 
So if we think about actual things we do is if you want to have a great productive garden, we need to give that some of the priority around orientation and where it's placed, Mm. um, slope and how the land works and how water flows and things because otherwise it's not going to be optimised for your Mm. site. Yeah. We don't want to put plonk the house on the best place for the veggie garden. We want to put it next to it. Yeah. Um, Also, we think about things like if you can see your veggie garden, for example, you're going to be more inclined to look after it and spend time there and appreciate it more. Yeah. So instead of chucking it right down the back corner where you have to take a packed lunch to go there mm-hmm. or you, you have to take pack the kids all up and take them with you and um, thinking about that transitioning from inside to outside and how to make that easy and make it flow. Because if you've got the opportunity and you're going through the process of doing things to improve your home and your life, we, we may as well make them easier for ourselves. Yeah, definitely. And going through multiple doors and gates and steps and things um, if we think about the flow, we can um, eliminate some of those things to make it easier for us all. And then we're more inclined to get the most out of it and actually use the spaces and um, mm. yeah, make the most of the energy that's gone into it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we need to make it easy to go and be in the garden and to, you know, you're observing what's happening and you can yeah. see what needs to happen and you you can see the food when it's ready to be picked and mm-hmm. You can see that when the chook's in the garden scratching up your veggies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can run out there and shoo them away. <laughs> totally. And other things um, that we always do are things like if you're on property that you're not connected to um, mains, we yep. integrate um, the wastewater absorption areas into an orchard space or think about where we're putting that water, that wastewater. Thinking about, um, yeah, think about things such as, Energy, how's energy moving around the property? How's water moving around? How the sun's moving around? Um, and then materials. What's available already on the site? What's yep. lo- close What's close by? Um, and then really building and creating something that's, that's responding to the property, the slope, the sun, the orientation, the things that are already there. Yeah. Yep. So... Can you give us an example of a home that you have worked on where, yeah, where you integrated that whole yep. kind of holistic, the, the garden, mm-hmm. the whole property and the home yeah. together? Um, yeah, sure. Um, thinking of, yeah, so we think about, a recent one, I think it's on the web, website, um, Limington. Um, I personally start with the transitions between inside and outside and where you want to move in and out of from outside to inside. I really love transition spaces that are not quite inside and not quite outside, mm. things like mud, mud rooms, um, porches, decks, outdoor kitchens, outdoor mudrooms, because I think they can really um, bring a lot to life and and also connect you to your outdoor spaces more. Mm, yeah. I think I think generally I'm going to go on a bit of a tangent here that we are we are steadily heading towards living in eskies um, yeah. and reducing our connection to um outdoor spaces, the weather, the climate, 
the birds, the insects, because we are going, this is a, it has to be this really hardcore wall and then we're going to puncture through that to go outside. I, I really enjoy the blurred edges. Now that also I completely understand that we want to be warm and we want our houses to be energy efficient when we're inside. Yeah. But if you think about the different seasons, wherever you are living and how we naturally in winter we'll use less of our house, we just naturally do that. So if you design accordingly, you can do that well. Um, so having, if we go back to, I think about Leamington, part of the home is the kitchen and what happens around yeah. that, which goes into uh, what I call a mud room. Yeah. And the, the mud room has multiple uses. It often would be the back or where you come in and out of the house, where you would have a laundry, where you store boat, um, boots and coats and where you can um, do that first process of any food you're growing. And mm. you can store store excess produce like preserves or a whole heap of pumpkins in there as well. Yeah. So that's this transition from outside garden to this kind of process where all this stuff happens, dirty mm. things, um, take off boots and stuff, and then you come into the kitchen proper. Um and it's got that multifunctional yeah. thing happening so that it's yeah. doing lots of jobs at once. So you don't need multiple rooms to do all those things. No, you just need one, one well-designed and make it a nice space to be in too so that, uh, yeah, you have a nice experience coming from outside to inside. And then think about thinking about um, creating outdoor spaces that are protected from wind and have shade when you want it but also will let the winter sun in when you want that as well yeah we often would integrate um, deciduous planting to do some of that work yeah um, that can be a really great way that has multiple um, multiple uses uh, it can be food it can create yeah habitat and shade or let sun in yeah and create and create a nice outdoor room as well mm. yeah um so, yeah, and also thinking about what what are you going to see from your kitchen? That's, yeah. I find that really important. Yeah. Uh, where the wastewater is going and how we can reuse that, where you're collecting water and where you're placing your tanks so that they are in a good location for, say, watering your garden, but then also maybe using back into the house. So thinking about those things, and often those are things that can get forgotten mm. and a last-minute last kind of um, last and minute potential. Thoughts. Potential for thermal mass as well with water tanks mm-hmm. and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't know. I just I just see it all as a space. Yeah. Whether, whether it's an outdoor space or an indoor space, it's still a space. That it, and one of the most important things about spaces is their relation to each other because yeah. that's what makes them work well. Mm. Yeah. So and the other thing um, with these ideas of enoughness is, you know, how they – really come in all areas of our life so mm-hmm. um it's not just the consumption in the building but um in all sorts of things and also like you know you can sort of turn it on on yourself too in yeah, yeah. you know feeling like what you're doing is enough and you know because all of these things create like trying 
feeling like you don't have enough. So mm. whether that's in the building, it creates stress because you've got more mm. work to do and it costs more, or whether it's in, you know, your consumption and it costs more, or whether it's in the way you look at yourself and feeling like, oh, I'm not mm. doing enough. And, and and I think it's quite easy to feel that way because mm. there is so much to do. And I think particularly yeah. um, when you're working and you have kids and you're, you're sort of never feeling like you're quite enough yeah or anything or anyone or you know even in your sustainable practices that you wish you were you know not creating so much rubbish and you were being a bit yeah. better and so yeah hearing you talking about enoughness there I, it makes me reflect that you know we can sort of be kind to ourselves too and yeah definitely use that lens of enoughness on yeah it's okay <laughs> definitely and I don't know, I, I, the fact that, you know, we might be generally using too much stuff, building really big houses, it's actually not our fault because we are bombarded all day, every day with messages around you should have this, you should want to have this, um, mm. messages that are adjusting our values and what they mean to us. So we are kind of trying to... A lot of this, it is in our fault. But if you become aware of it, even with, I think, being sustainable enough, mm. we are now, if we are, if that's something that we are aiming to try and do and be, we are getting a lot of messages around that too, around having to do more here and more there and this. Mm. So it's all, it's all marketing yeah. to make us feel that we're not enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of the stuff we're seeing is telling us that we're not enough, or it's not, it's not good enough. We don't have enough. Yeah. Um, I guess the thing is, if you're trying to sell something, you're trying to create, make people feel they need it. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's the whole point of it. And it's, I don't know. I see. It's all a bit of an experiment, um, and with, with sustainability or changing the way we're living so that we can stop having such a big impact on the planet we personally are not going to finish the job mm. we are a, a stepping stone in the big picture yeah um so if we are doing a bit better and then we're passing that on to the next person to take the baton and well, it might be our kids to mm. do a bit better as long as you know as long as we are doing something yeah. Um, yeah, we should probably be a little less hard on ourselves because we will be passing the baton on. Mm. Hopefully, hopefully in a, a while. <laughs> <laughs> even if they don't pick it up right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right down the track. And even just doing some things that someone else might just, you know, get a bit of inspiration from and make a slight yeah. change. Yeah, I think there's, yeah, it's a fine balance. Definitely. So I wanted to end with this quote that we um, featured in the magazine from you. It says, the cost of anything is the amount of life we are willing to exchange for it. And I mm -hmm. feel like that really um, captures that whole idea of, you know, pulling ourselves up before we go, oh, yeah, let's do that. And, oh, yeah, I've got the money. I can do it. Mm. And thinking about, well, yeah, it's it's not just the money that you're giving up for that. It's, you know, mm. it can often be a lot more and, yeah, it's often the time that's 
taken to create the money that is what you're actually giving Definitely. up. So, if, yes, yeah, I think. Yeah. I, I, I feel it's really nice when I sit down with a client and well, sometimes one of the first things they say is, okay, we're going to doing this and our aim is to have a small mortgage. That's the goal. Yeah. Because we've worked out that we want to, you know, live our life and we want to do these things and um, have freedom um, and not work as much. So that becomes this thing that runs through the whole project. That's the goal, to have a small mortgage, therefore, mm. when, we, when we're making decisions um, around anything. Mm. That's a driving force in the decision you make. Mm. So, um, yeah, so we are trading our time for money generally. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Most of us are. And what I find when I talk to clients about values in that first beginning, time comes up a lot. Yeah. Time. rest doing things that are considered leisure um come up a lot yeah so it's really great to start a project in that frame of mind yeah so we have to trade it trade as much of our time yeah Mm. yeah because once you've invested in it and you've got that mortgage then you're kind of tied to it aren't you yeah 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 yeah, it's like, do you want the $5,000 couch or the time to lie on it? <laughs> exactly. And I said, yes. The bath from the tip shop holds the same warm water as yeah. the $5,000 bath that you order in from, we're in Tassie, Melbourne. Yeah. It holds it holds the same warm water. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you're going to have more time to lie in it. <laughs> and you will have more time to have more baths. You could have an indoor bath and then an outdoor bath as well if you go and get them from the tip shop. Yeah. And they're not hard <laughs> to find, are they? No. We've we've done this. We've got a whole bunch of resources that can help people, and we've done one which is a list of things that are a good idea to go and source secondhand and which things are probably not a good idea to go and source secondhand when you yeah. are doing a project because you can make things harder for yourself and some things are just not appropriate to use secondhand. Yeah. Um, something that comes up a lot. A baths are a great one to go and find. You can get some really funky pink retro ones, which, um, yeah, yeah, do a good job. Yeah. Well, thank you. Speaking of time, thank you for making the time to chat with us today and share your ideas and, yeah, it's been really great. Yeah, it's good. I love talking about this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, I feel like we could talk about a whole lot of other things as well, but we're maybe we can catch up another time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, Good. great. So to find out more about what Jane is doing, her websites are the designful.com.au and homefulbydesignful.com.au. Yeah. And we have an article in issue 27 of Pip Magazine. So yeah, cool. More there. So thanks for that and we'll speak soon. You have been listening to the PIP podcast. You can also subscribe to our magazine 
explore articles on growing, fermenting, composting, foraging, and much more, as well as watch our videos and listen to our podcast episodes, all on our website, pipmagazine.com.au, or follow us on socials.